So um, my name is Robert Green. Uh, this is my lovely wife of 35 years, Linda Sue. Hey. Um, we are empty nesters uh, of two boys. And um, there's a picture up here of uh, the two of us. We just got through with our two boys flying some hawks. And we were in Ireland. They went on like this year-long backpacking trip to like 30 countries. And we got to join them in, in Ireland to fly these hawks at this falconry. It was amazing. So uh, it was just a good time. So, so um, we got married on uh, St. Patrick's Day. And my favorite thing in 1984, and my favorite thing, am I on? It doesn't sound like I'm on. That, can you hear her okay? Can y'all hear me? Okay. My favorite thing about getting married on St. Patrick's Day was changing my last name to Green. <laughs> hey, you don't hear that every day. So I'm sure you're wondering who's the guy that she married in this picture, okay? Now, if any of y'all are, are Seinfeld fans, so George Costanza once had a very famous line, you know, he said, hey, these are the remnants of a once proud civilization. So I'm smiling really big in that picture. And uh, for any guys in here, you probably know why I'm smiling big. Why is that? Because the honeymoon is here. It's coming up. We're at it. But my uh, married uh, sex life would immediately hit a speed bump. So, yeah, so we get to Maui, and I headed to the pool, and I put oil on like I'd done all my life. I'm from Miami, a beach girl. And what normally would have been a tan turned into a major sunburn. For some reason, the sun is different in Maui, and I had no idea. <laughs> it's not really, but um, so <laughs> she kind of looked like this picture. Um, I had to rub aloe vera like all over her body, but I could not touch her, um, if you know what I mean. I mean, after her fever broke, we had a great time, um, but those uh, first few days were a little rough uh, based on my expectations. So our only claims to fame, I'm a graduate of the Fighting Texas Aggie class of 1982, Ooh. and for, hey, come on. And for four years, Linda held the career record for free throw percentage at the University of Louisiana in Monroe. I mean, she is a minor celebrity. Come on. So it's our privilege to work with a lot of couples here in the marriage ministry at Watermark. We're down um, at the Dallas campus. Um, through the ministry, we've just seen more and more couples that are just struggling uh, in the area of sexual intimacy. So we know this can really be an area of significant pain. Um, you know, folks don't talk about it uh, a lot. So we're going to talk about it tonight. And just know that you can find healing uh, in this area. So tonight we're going to talk about one very specific scenario that is encountered by most couples at some point in their relationship. And that's where one of the spouses has a higher sex drive than the other. So we'll start by sharing our own story in this area and then share some things that will help you or that helped us. So I grew up in a Christian home, came to a saving faith in Jesus when I was nine. My parents modeled love and affection toward each other and taught me that sex was God's gift and his design for couples to enjoy in marriage. I never got the official sex talk, but kind of in their defense, they probably felt that I had learned everything I needed when I walked in on them um, at age six. Nine months later, my baby brother was born. I belonged to Jesus, but I had a rebellious heart and spent the first 22 years of my life pursuing the things of this world, especially in my college years where poor choices led to inappropriate relationships, a lot of heartache, guilt, and shame. But God in his mercy pursued me through it all 
and turned my rebellious heart back to him. He put a new desire in my heart to walk in his way. And God has declared me blameless because of Christ's shed blood on the cross, covers my sins. And although um, I would battle thoughts of guilt and shame over the years, I was able to fight that battle with truth, um, knowing that I'm forgiven and a precious daughter of the king, and he delights in me with unfailing love. And by his grace, I was able to go into marriage experiencing freedom in the area of sex. So just want to encourage you that we have a God who rescues, redeems, heals, and restores, and he's able to do so much more than you could ever imagine or hope. Yeah, so I placed my faith in Christ at an early age. Now, I remained a virgin until we married, but had plenty of uh, sexual promiscuity, you know, especially in high school. So I learned about sex primarily from the culture. You know, we were um, in a church where we were taught to stay away from sex, you know, because only bad things happen, uh, you know, in sex until you get married. So as a firstborn, I complied uh, with that, but it was a daily struggle against my hormones and often resulted uh, in masturbation. So I couldn't wait to have, you know, legal sex, um, but I wasn't really looking to get married until I met Linda in 1982. And after she beat me in a free throw shooting contest, I knew that she was the one, um, and we married 18 months after meeting. So this kicked off phase one in our sex drive story. Now, to be honest with you, this talk kind of started on a cocktail napkin in a restaurant. Um, we started drawing on this napkin a picture of our story, and um, you're going to see it in this chart. And it's a little corny, but we think it'll help convey the story. Okay, so the pink line depicts my sex drive and the blue, Robert's. So during phase one, we had a robust sex life where our desires were in sync. As young marrieds, we were in a church where sex was never really talked about. So our own experiences were our guide, and we were having a lot of fun. It never really occurred to us that couples struggled in this area. So until 2008, we entered phase two. This is when menopause hit, and I had no idea what was going on. Um, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't think. I had no energy, and my sex drive totally disappeared. I didn't know how to handle it. I didn't want to hurt Robert, didn't, know, didn't want to talk about it, didn't know what to say, so I just started avoiding him, and especially like um, when I'm getting undressed and stuff like that. Doesn't take much, you know. Yeah, didn't want to trigger anything. So I was, um, I started working with my doctor, trying different natural remedies, but nothing seemed to be helping. And then it felt like everything came crashing down when my dad died suddenly. I was really close to my dad, his only daughter, born on his birthday. And I found myself overwhelmed with grief while dealing with the menopause stuff. Yeah, so during this time, Linda was uh, sometimes avoiding me, you know, which made her feel bad, and I didn't really know why, and neither did she. So we were not quite sure what to do, so I just started adjusting my expectations just with regarding to frequency. So I was frustrated by it, but I knew she was grieving the loss of her dad and figured that she was going to snap out of it at some point. So I hit 50 during this phase and so started seeing the effects of midlife, which included a decrease in my sex drive. So in some regards, that was a blessing because uh, it helped me to lower my expectations expectations regarding frequency. I mean, but during this phase, it's not like we we're in a desert, okay? There were, there were plenty of times of passion, just not with the frequency that we had once enjoyed. For example, on our 25th anniversary um, in Whistler, we had a really fun time in car number 23 uh, on the Whistler gondola. 
Oh, man. Yeah. Never knew that picture was going to go up in front of people, and I'd be talking about them. But at least we skipped car 22. It was the glass-bottom car. So. <laughs> hey, I did, we gave this talk one time, and a guy came up afterwards and said, I just have to know, how long was that ride? <laughs> it's from Whistler to Blackcomb, you know, is the, the two mountains, and it's 11 minutes, just in case you know. So we had plenty of time for sightseeing, you know? <laughs> Oh, Lord. Okay, so a couple of things happened in 2010 that led us to phase three. First, I decided to try hormone replacement therapy, and after trying a bunch of different options, I found a combination that worked wonders for my energy and my sex drive. So you can see from the chart that every time I receive a treatment, which is a few times a year, it has an immediate impact on my sex drive. But the second thing, and vital thing, was I started attending a Bible study um, at Watermark, and it taught me how to memorize scripture and meditate on God's word and journal and pray and helped me to grow in my dependence on God, which was really critical for me when um, the times when I didn't seem like Robert was desiring me very much, and I would start questioning my body image and thinking I was undesirable. And so, but because of my time in God's word, I had the tools to fight those lies. And um, God just kept reminding me that I was, um, that what he tells me is true, that I'm made in his image and that my identity is in Christ. Yeah, so today I can tell you that our sex life is, is better than ever. I mean, there are still times when we're not, you know, as in sync as we once were, you know, but because we've each had seasons of being on either the high side, you know, or the low side, um, we're able to understand each other better and, you know, just have compassion uh, for each other. So we would just like to share with you four things that we kind of wish we had known uh, when we were going through this journey. They were helpful to us as we've shared with other couples. We found it's been helpful for them. So we think these four things apply. I mean, whether you're 27, um, whether you're 47, you know, whether you're 67, you know, or anywhere in between. So here are the four things. We're going to start with number one, and that's to communicate. So we had to learn how to talk about this, and so must you. And I totally understand how awkward this is going to be for some uh, in this room, but this is important. I mean, this is really important. You know, if you're personally struggling in the area of sex, uh, you have got to tell your spouse. I mean, even if you don't know what, was hap what is happening, which was often the case between us, um, it's going to be helpful, helpful to let your spouse in on the struggle. You know, just by not discussing it, you're going to open the door to misunderstandings uh, between the two of you. And you actually deny your spouse the opportunity to love you if you keep it to yourself. You know, Galatians 6.2 tells us that we are to carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. So, yeah, so the times when Robert would want to talk about it, sometimes I would take it um, personally. So I had to learn how not to do that. And so when your spouse comes to you and wants to discuss the topic... Um, you have to listen with compassion and with an open mind and hear their point of view. It really surprises how often one of us would, uh, we would be reluctant to talk about it. And yet when we would start talking about it, we would find out that both of us were thinking the same thing. So each time we, we discussed it, it became easier and easier to talk about the next time. We also learned that is awkward as it is, it's important to communicate what you like sexually. That was hard for me. I felt selfish, and it was just awkward. 
But Robert explained to me that it wasn't being selfish, that um, it was really important for him to please me. So in a marriage where both spouses are focused on serving each other, this is actually a great way to love each other. Absolutely. So point number two is don't pressure. Okay, so this is primarily for the spouse that has the higher drive. So when Linda hit menopause and her desire changed dramatically, I quickly learned that pressuring her for sex was not a good idea. I would try to ask nicely. I'd get home from work and say, "Hey, feeling frisky today?" Um, but that would often that make works. <laughs> that would often make her feel guilty and kind of put a damper on the evening. And here, here's another pro tip for anybody that ever wants to try this: if she's crying because she's sad about something, don't try to turn that into a sexual encounter. Okay, <laughs> that won't go well for you. So. Instead, let's look at Paul's uh, words in Philippians 2. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Um, rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. So the key here is that we are called to mutually serve uh, one another. Pressuring your spouse to meet your needs is not serving them. We have found that a better way is to go back to number one and communicate and discuss this in a way that honors your spouse. Yeah, so um, I learned that learning how to express my frustrations to the Lord really helped me. I would, um, when I would go to him, be frustrated, and ask him to change my heart, I allowed him to work, and he made a big difference. I found that my focus would change away from my needs and my selfishness. One of the things that helped me a lot was trying to see the situation through Robert's eyes. So think for a moment about what you would do if your sex drives flipped. If you became the one on the low side, would you be encouraged if your spouse related to you the way that you're relating to them right now? And if not, what can you do to change that? Yeah, so number three is don't withhold. Okay, so this is primarily for the spouse with the lower drive. This is the spouse that is really in the position of power. Um, when my uh, desire is lower, I, just, I control the frequency with which um, we're going to have sex. So how is a Christian in power supposed to act toward those under them? And we're supposed to consider the words of Christ. Matthew 10, 42 to 44 said, Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them, but not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. So I'm to serve and this includes my spouse. Just remember, your spouse does not have another sexual outlet. Okay? You are it. So how are you serving them? Some spouses just do not understand how much of a physical need sex is for their spouse. I mean, this surprises us sometimes when we're, when we're chatting with couples. So I know it's a little bit of a long um, verse, but in 1 Corinthians 7, Paul counseled couples in Corinth this way. He said the husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. So do not deprive each other's sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. And afterwards, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Yeah, so when we marry, we give our bodies as a gift to our spouse. And it's really important that we don't take that gift back, even when the demands of life get really hard. 
you know, you might be worn out from a day at work or caring for elderly parents, and that's where we are in this stage of life. Um, I remember when I was exhausted from nursing babies and caring for toddlers, and then the teenage years, uh, so exhausting, and then the craziness of menopause. You know, sex would be the last thing on my mind, but I, I realized that sex is, the mind is where sex starts. So, Scripture has really helped to change my thinking. When negative thoughts come into my mind and I just don't want to be um, unselfish, um, I try to apply 2 Corinthians 10.5. We are destroying speculation and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. I learned that when I would surrender that thought to God, he always replaced it with the desire to serve and love my spouse. I had to choose to change my attitude and let God work in me. And then I was able to focus on ways to make sex work, which meant sometimes you just have to learn to be creative. A lot of times we would have to schedule um, a time for sex and a lot of quickies. They work great certain times. And sometimes when um, intercourse is not an option, there are other plenty of ways to pleasure your spouse. <laughs> yes, there are. If you need any uh, suggestions, your re-engaged group leaders would be glad to help you with that. <laughs> so maybe a little extracurricular activity tonight in your group uh, as you discuss that. So uh, number four, uh, fourth and last thing is to share. Okay, share. So and if you're struggling, it can be really wise to bring others into the conversation. So if it's difficult to share with your spouse, can you imagine what it'd be like to share with a group of people? Okay, so we get that. Um, the first place that we would do that um, here at Watermark would be um, with our small group members. Like the guy, a guy would share with the guys in the group and the gal um, with the gals. Let them be the ones to help you decide which next steps to take because this can be really complicated. Now, if you're not in a small group, uh, you know, in your church, you're not in a group here, um, then a safe place might be the re-engage group you know, that you're in right now, maybe that's a place to start, um, uh, you know, uh, chatting this up. So Proverbs 15:22 says, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. So it will be helpful to have others around you because it is complicated. And Linda's just going to share a few of the few of the things that can enter into this. Yeah, our sexual desires can be affected in so many different ways. Um, sometimes there's physical pain involved, which definitely you need to see a doctor for that. And then um, a lot of times there are other issues, medical issues, um, that for me, like a doctor, for a hormone doctor, for me. And then um, there could be other medical situations um, that you need to look into. It could also be, and for me, this helped, um, something spiritual, because our spiritual life is so closely tied to our sex life. The question to ask, are you trusting the Lord with everything, including your sex life? And as you share this struggle with your group, ask them if they see any areas in your life where you could be struggling to submit um, and trust the Lord. Another thing is if, if sexual abuse is part of your story, there are ministries that can help you, and we just beg you not to suffer in silence. Um, and if you are involved in porn, um, we really beg you to seek help because it will impact your intimacy so greatly. Yeah, so just to summarize this, we said communicate, don't pressure, 
don't withhold and share. Um, you know, we don't like too many negatives, so we're just going to boil it down to three things. Communicate with your spouse, okay? Um, then serve each other, and then if needed, share with others. So we want to be crystal clear about one thing tonight. You should leave here with a better desire to serve your spouse. Okay, guys, if all you heard tonight is that your wife should not withhold sex, you have missed the point. Ladies, if all you heard tonight is your husband should stop pressuring you for sex, you have missed the point. Y'all must talk about this and come to a place where you're serving each other. That's exactly what we had to do, and you will benefit greatly from that. One other thing just to understand, man, if, um, if you make changes tonight, you know, change based on what you heard tonight and things don't improve immediately, man, don't be discouraged. This may take some time. Um, that's why you need some friends around you. That's why it's going to help you to share so they can help you, encourage you uh, on this journey. So, I mean, God wants us to enjoy this incredible gift of sex, y'all. Um, in case there's any doubt, I mean, he wrote a whole book of the Bible, you know, Song of Solomon, you know, specifically about uh, physical intimacy. Yeah, so um, you can also visit the Reengage website to find some really helpful resources. You go to marriagehelp.org slash sexual intimacy. One of my favorite resources mentioned on this site um, for women is the um, Intimate Issues by Linda Dillo and Elaine Pennis. It's a handbook that helps you um, transform your sexual attitudes and enhance your sexual relationship. I recently had led a, a group of women through it, and it is my number one book I recommend. Yeah, so look, we recognize in a crowd of this size um, that there may be some couples struggling in their relationship, you know, and maybe specifically in the area of sex, and, and maybe the thought of physical intimacy is like a mile away. And that's okay. So don't don't feel any pressure, you know, tonight, you know, to leave here, you know, and go have sex or act like you've got it all together in this area. And don't be disingenuous about this. We simply encourage you uh, to get started talking about it. So um, if you'd like help navigating how to talk about this with your spouse, you know, all kidding aside, I think your re-engaged leaders would love to help you just figure out how to get this conversation going. So that's all we have tonight. Thank you for letting us share, y'all.